this is Norman Solomon saying that you're listening to non-commercial, listener-sponsored, volunteer-driven community radio, KBOO, Portland, 90.7 FM. You are listening to KBOO Community Radio, and we are in the middle of our fall membership drive. Help us meet our $55,000 goal by making a contribution today. KBOO's organic, free-range, and independent programming is only possible with your support. Give now at kboo.fm give. You can also donate by texting the word KBOO to 44321 or by mailing a check to the station at 20 Southeast 8th Avenue in Portland, 97214. Our members continue to fertilize community radio every time they give. Connect with your favorite community radio station on social media. Our Facebook page is facebook.com slash kboomradio. And follow us on Twitter at twitter.com slash kboo. We also have a YouTube channel at youtube.com slash radio. We also provide content to the free music archive. An interactive library of high-quality legal audio downloads. That's at freemusicarchive.org slash curator slash K-B-O-O. You can find all this and more on the KBOO website, kboo.fm. Thanks for listening. KBOO Community Radio is now on Venmo. Follow us and send a donation anytime at KBOO Radio. That's at KBOO Radio. Thanks. Hey, yo, this is Clipping. You're listening to KBOO. Hello. Welcome to the Coalition of Black Trade Unionists segment of Labor Radio, celebrated here on KBOO 90.7 FM, highlighting the works of the working class, by the working class, and for the working class. We are the oldest community radio station celebrating our 55th birthday. We are a nonprofit organization whereby we have approximately 300 community volunteers. 80% of our funding is volunteer-based. Help us to maintain our status where the heart of the community comes alive seven days a week. Give generously during our fall fundraiser to achieve $55,000. Text KBOO at 44321. My name is Tina Turner Morfitt. I am the current president of the Coalition of Black Trade Unionists and the vice president of the Oregon AFSCME Retiree Chapter. I am a retired public employee after working 38 years for the Department of Corrections. Our union representation was through Oregon AFSCME. Hi, I'm Audrey Terrell. I'm retired from the UAW International staff in Detroit. I'm currently the Vice President of the Oregon Coalition of Black Trade Unionists and President and CEO of the Dr. Audrey Terrell Institute. Our guest tonight is Brother Vincent Blanco. You may recall Brother Blanco was a previous guest and shared information about a community-based Washington County after-school kids program. Brother Blanco is a staff representative 
of the Oregon Nurses Association. Tonight, our topic will be the recent passage of Senate Bill 1089, entitled Relating to the Universal Healthcare Health Plan Governance Board. There were 11 chief sponsors, but the Blanco lobbied heavily in favor of this bill. We have invited him to our show to break it down in regular English. Welcome to our show, Brother Blanco. Thank you very much. Thank you for having me. Now, before we get into the weeds of the bill, can you share with our listeners your avid interest in Oregon's health care system, aside from being on ONA representative? That's a great question. I would say that, you know, my... Um, my avid interest in healthcare, Oregon's healthcare system, is uh, a vision, a vision to see um, you know our workers and um, all of our community uh, be able to have quality, um, high quality healthcare, no matter what your culture, your background is, your race is, or wherever you're from. But that's my vision uh, for Oregon's healthcare system. So, what is your role as a member of the healthcare for all Oregon? So healthcare for all Oregon is very, uh, very dear to me. Um, I am a former board member. I had the pleasure of serving as a board member for a couple of years. And then I also uh, currently serve as uh, a member of the Nominations and Elections Committee for HCAL. Wonderful. What is the purpose of the Nominations and Elections Committee? Well, the purpose of the Nominations and Elections Committee is to really just conduct extensive um, research on finding uh, amazing uh, participants to possibly become a member of the board. We also hold elections as well. Um, myself, I'm trying to increase uh, looking for folks, whether it's in the uh, metro and rural areas, but trying to also increase you know, diversity and make sure we have people from different backgrounds, right, uh, to serve as a board member for ACAO. Who are some of the other members of the nation of the nominations and elections committee? Well, yes, it's not just myself, uh, you know, doing this great work on the uh, nomination elections committee. We also have uh, our, our chair, which is Sarah Spinell. We also have David Young, one of our board members, Keith Tierney, one of our board members as well, and also Wes Brain, one of our other board members. We are looking uh, for other board members to get involved at ACAL and also help us out looking for uh, more diversity and folks from different backgrounds to uh, add to the advocacy of ACAL. So what role will the HCAO participate in the continuing developing process of the SB 1089? Currently, ACAO is looking now in every area to find diverse and well-rounded folks to be on the board and also as an executive director. We're looking for folks that meet the criteria of 1089 and also back up universal health care for all of Oregon. We do give a special thanks to a few of our lawmakers. We wanted to make sure we wanted to give a special thanks to Senator Manning, to Senator Patterson, as well as Representative Nelson. Madam President. Nationwide, health care is the number one issue that cuts across all segments of the U.S. residents. It appears that the COVID pandemic has identified specific disparities. 
What are some of those disparities? Great question, Tina. You know, it's not no longer rhetoric now. I think that the, uh, the pandemic definitely exposed uh, and showed where a lot of disparities are in our communities and within healthcare. Such uh, disparities are access to insurance, as we saw, access to clinics, as we saw, or hospitals. We also saw a lot of hospitals closing down in poor or rural areas of town. Are they are these disparities unique to communities of color? I would say definitely these areas are spe- specifically unique to areas uh, areas of color, and as well as very rural areas um, throughout our state. So, how do you educate communities of color on how to address these disparities? Now, Tina, that is the question, right? How do we educate, right? I must say, I don't think we need to educate. I think that people of color have a pretty good sense of uh, what disparities they're facing. However, I think that the question is, how do we empower our folks, uh, people of color, how to overcome these disparities? That will take looking at the policies that we already have on the books and enforcing those. That will take many of our folks that are maybe not not at the table, the people that are at the table, to stand up and enforce these other policies and folks to make sure that this this becomes a platform, not just in meetings that contain people of color at the round table, but the real question is making sure that this is a platform on meetings on a wider on a wider scale in common areas. In common every conference must have a platform about how we address the disparities in healthcare um, amongst our people of color. So healthcare providers during COVID, the COVID pandemic applauded healthcare workers and hospital workers whom they discovered were essential workers. But now that they have reverted, but now that the COVID is, has kind of subsided, they've reverted back to their healthcare for profit daily operations. How do you address this change of heart now that it's time to negotiate new contracts? During the pandemic, we found folks that worked harder than ever, that suffered harder than ever. They worked longer hours with with understaffing. Uh, They made sure that they kept the doors open for these businesses and for these employers. And when it comes now, the time for employers to reciprocate their appreciation, they're now suddenly have amnesia. I would say thankful to our unions We're here to remind them about our workers, that our workers are essential. And also that the subject matter expert about what employees need aren't consultants, aren't executives. The subject matter expert about what employees need are the employees. I think that throughout the pandemic, we learned from each other. Sister unions are working closer than ever together and we're organizing and reminding our members that they are the union. When we get to the bargaining table, it's not Vincent Blanco that the employer is saying no to. We must remind them they're saying no to thousands upon thousands of employees that are now banded together. So you think this nationwide upsurge in union favorability is all connected to that? I definitely believe so. I definitely would attribute that to the pandemic. I mean, folks, You know, we were trying to deal with things in the contract uh, that weren't in the contract, right? Um, There was nothing in our contract that said, hey, this is how you deal with the pandemic. 
But what we did was we created, we organized and we created language. How did we get that language to get passed? Well, the employer saw that we were banded together, we organized more than ever, and that, you know what, we were not going to let them hide the ball. Safety was tantamount. Staffing was important. Our health care was important. And also a little bit of appreciation into our pockets was important. A living wage was important. I think that this upsurge across the nation, we have been prepared for this throughout the pandemic. As the employer was silently, hopefully waiting that we would forget, we all kept reminding each other of our worth. And our unions are here to remind the employers of what our worth is. It sounds like looking at uh, what's happening, that the overall effects you're talking about not only affected union workers, but workers in other non-traditional areas that are not normally represented by a union. Would you agree with that? Definitely, I would agree to that, do that, Tina. Yes, definitely. What can unions do to strengthen the resolve of getting better treatment for the workers? Great question, Tina. I think that um, as we have folks throughout the pandemic um, that were maybe, maybe not a little bit shy to join the union or had a little bit of reservations, as people across the nation saw that the only entity fighting for them, for safety, for health, to receive um, additional pay. Um, the only entity was unions. And so I think that has come across where union numbers have grown. And then also other areas that are not unionized are saying, hey, I see what that union is doing for those, for those folks over there. How can we get that here? And you know what we're doing? We're making sure we share that information amongst each other and saying, you know what? You know how you get that over there? You stick together, you organize, and you believe in each other, and you don't take no for an answer. Solid. I would like to remind our listeners that they are listening to the Coalition of Black Trade Unions segment of Labor Radio, highlighting the works of the working class, by the working class, and for the working class, here on KBOO 90.7 FM, where the heart of the community comes alive seven days a week. We like to remind our listeners to give generously during our fall fundraiser. Text KBOO at 44321. Once again, our guest is Brother Vincent Blanco, an ONA representative who lobbied for the passage of SB 1089. Focusing once again on SB 1089, I understand it was passed in the regular legislative session. Can you reiterate to us just exactly what this bill is? Yes, once again, um, SB 1089 is the bill that allowed for us to create a uh, universal a task force on universal health care. It also allows for us to look for a board and also an executive director. Right now, more than ever, we are on the precipice of, of accomplishing health care for all. We are looking, health care for all Oregon is looking and searching uh, in various areas wide to make sure we get a plethora of potential folks from different backgrounds to potentially be on this board and to also be an executive director. We must, more than ever, folks, band together. One thing that I think of as a labor rep, uh, representative of all my years is, what could we do 
if healthcare was not um, a bargaining chip anymore? What if we achieved single-payer universal healthcare, and now now the healthcare is not on the bargaining table for the employer to use as a bargaining chip? What could else could we use that money for? Safety, living wage increases. So that's something that I just share with my um, with my union folk as we can band together, support uh, 1089, and also the uh, the task force coming together and making a strong step towards achieving universal health care for Oregon. How will the passage of Senate Bill 1089 level the playing field and reduce some of these disparities, or do you think it will? The passage of 1089 and also achieving universal health care, I know, will reduce these, some of these disparities. No longer will, will folks be um, denied health care because of the insurance game. No longer will it be the person that can pay the additional premiums or the folks that live in certain areas receive better health care than people that are not in other areas. It will reduce the disparities and will even the playing field so that everybody can experience the human right of having health care and high health care for everybody. So what are the next steps for Senate Bill 1089? As I mentioned, uh, the next steps for Senate Bill 1089, like I said, is moving forward with this task force and uh, making sure that we actually find folks that share the same type of ideologies of single payer, of universal health care, diversity, finding those folks to serve on the board and having that executive director move forward. That would be the next steps of the Senate Bill 1089 and allowing the task force to do their work. So you just spoke about the changes in the collective bargaining process. Will that happen all at once or will it happen gradually as contract languages come up, come open? Well, I mean, it's easier said than done, right? To say, hey, what if we take the, um, healthcare off the, uh, not as a, a bargaining chip anymore? But what it's going to take is it's going to take a concerted effort. We're going to need to share information with each other. We have to make um, you know healthcare for all an actual um, item. As my even if it's not tomorrow, but even in the next bargaining session, having one union, one local put down universal healthcare as an offer is a step in the right direction. It might even get shut down by the employer. But the employer's not hearing it. If the unions were not saying it, then how can this ever come to, to fruition? So like I said, even putting down and, and thinking of language of, hey, single, pay, single payer, university of healthcare, one of our offers, right, mm -hmm. um, gets us a step in the right direction. So I think, you know, making sure we share our information and making sure we put down, you know, our universal healthcare um, as, a as a policy, as a, a, a potential offer, and making it a platform and organizing around that. Uh, is a step in the right direction as we move forward with uh, achieving uh, the dream of the 1089. Uh, okay. What would be some next stages that we'd have to go through, uh, Brother Vince, that we can look forward to in making things happen? Dr. Jarrell, good question yeah. about the next stages that we can look forward to. I'll say the next stages is specifically um, the next stage is kind of, I don't want to be too redundant, right? But the next stage is, is you know, obviously getting the board and executive director. That's the only stage we have left right now on, on, on the board for the task force. I do wish it was more, you know, that's why you kind of hear some of us do sound bites. Sure. Hopefully it's not going in there, Deborah. This is just pause for me. But 
it's kind of redundant because okay. there really are not really sure steps moving forward. The task force is kind of created to see like what the next steps are going to be. Yeah. Okay. So, uh, Vinny, will then the task force go back to the legislature with a report? You got it. Yes, yes. So, Brother Blanco, uh, we started out this segment saying that you heavily lobbied uh, lawmakers on this. Who were some of the people you lobbied, and how did you go about doing that? Great question, Tina. Thank you. Um, some of the folks that we uh, we lobbied or I worked on lobbying was uh, Senator Manning, of course, um, also uh, Senator Patterson, as well as uh, uh, Representative Nelson, um, and also our Senate President uh, Wagner, and many other folks that, that we went to. I would say, you know, the strategy that we talked about uh, in lobbying was, I wanted to be personable. I wanted to be honest. I wanted to say, you know what? I had a, a mother who passed away um, not too long ago. And that's when I got involved with healthcare for Oregon. I didn't get involved for the lobbying. I didn't get involved for the, uh, you know, for the radio shows. I got involved because uh, I believe if my mother had uh, better healthcare, she'd be around today. And there's too many other stories like that going around, right? So that's why I got more involved as a labor rep to uh, get involved at ACAO and work on my lobbying. And um, it was, I think, a no-brainer to tell folks, look, we all know someone, if it's not us, that could have uh, better health um, if we had universal health care. And understand that it's a human right. And I believe it's a fiduciary duty of me uh, to lobby on behalf of having a a universal health care system. And so um, it was gracious and, and it was really, really a, a great experience. And also uh, learned some lobbying techniques from Healthcare for Oregon as well. And um, I think that the passage of 1089 um, and establishing uh, this work group, I, I think that, you know, the task force, um, you know, looking at the financial aspects, looking at the budgeting aspects, right, folks, looking at the impacts to the state and then bringing those um, those important um, factual results back to committees uh, is so detrimental and so vital, right? Because now we're speaking, you know, uh, the terms has been investigated, it's been researched, and here are the findings, and now it's just one step further once we get those findings about how we can achieve universal health care. So, um, yeah, it was a pleasure lobbying on behalf of this bill, along with many of my other um, union siblings and also other folks uh, throughout the entire great state of Oregon. Yes. First, we just want to thank our, our brother for all the information. I'm a retired international UAW uh, labor rep, and uh, you're so well informed that we can really appreciate you in negotiations and, and pushing forward on the issues that representing the working people. And I just, I'm so proud of you. This is so informative. I just want to end by saying that the Coalition of Black Trade Unions meets the second Tuesday every of every month at 6 p.m. We have suspended our face-to-face meetings and are utilizing Google Meets to conduct our monthly meetings. So our next meeting will be held October the 10th, 2023. We'll be looking to hear from you, uh, each of you. So we are in the planning stage of our 2024 Black History Month celebration in February. So please stay tuned for multiple events to include interviews with national black leaders, town hall panels, and a few other surprises. So, uh, 
saying not saying more please check us out we look forward to hearing you and it's been a pleasure brother vince blanco in 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 uh, our discussion what we as union members uh working class should know about and what you're doing to make a difference in our lives i just want to end by asking is there a contact number for those of us who may have questions or uh, we may want to ask you regarding the Senate Bill 1089. Is there a contact uh, or email address that we can uh, contact you with? Great question, Dr. Terrell. Uh, there is a, a number I can give in, in regards to uh, learning more about healthcare from Oregon and also getting a little bit of education, right? You know, about um, how we got here and Measure 111 and, you know, SB 1089 um, and also, uh, you know, what, uh, what work can continue to be, to be done. Uh, to push universal health care. Um, if you look at Healthcare for All Oregon, um, and also the website is hcao.org. Once again, it's hcao.org. And also the phone number is 503-206-6709. So uh, definitely please get in touch with our our folks at Healthcare for Oregon uh, to learn more about how to um, support and advocate for healthcare for all. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you once again, Brother Blanco, for being our guest and tipping us on the passage of SB 1089. We look forward to tracking this legislation as it becomes, as it comes to life, providing tangible healthcare for Oregon residents. The Coalition Black Trades Unionists meet the second Tuesday of every month at 6 p.m. We have suspended our face-to-face -face meetings and are utilizing Google Meet to conduct our monthly meetings. Our next meeting will be held October 10th, 2023. Our email address is orcbtu10 at gmail.com. We would love to hear from you. Join us in our evolving adventure of representing black union workers. Before we sign off, we would like to remind you that if you enjoyed this conversation on how labor is creating a more tangible living for Oregon residents, become a donor to help us sustain KBU Radio, one of the longest community broadcast stations. Help with us, our fall fundraiser, in reaching our goal of 55,000. Text KBOO at 44321. And with that, we'll say holla.
Mr. Chavez, you're listening to KBOO, listener-sponsored radio. This is KBOO, Portland. Baby, you understand me now If sometimes you see that I'm mad Don't you know no one alive can always be an angel When everything goes wrong, you see some bad Produced at the studios of KBOO Radio in Portland, Oregon, this is Prison Pipeline. I'm Doug McVeigh. Before we get started, don't forget we've just begun our annual fall membership drive. At KBOO, we're sowing the seeds of success. You can help our radio community thrive during this drive. Just go to kboo.fm give or text KBOO to 44321 to become a monthly sustaining member today. You can